You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Forty-seven-year-old Lindsay Burbeck was a loving mother of two. She lived in Huncote, a village on the outskirts of Accrington, Lancashire, in the United Kingdom. During a night out when she was in her early twenties, she met the man she would later marry, Tim Burbeck. He said that she was stunning and immediately caught his eye. After three years of dating, the pair were married, and less than two years later, they welcomed their first child, a son, Stephen, and their daughter Sarah followed two years later. Lindsay worked at a local primary school as a teaching assistant, using her passion for helping people by working with children with additional learning needs. She loved children and would do anything for her students, using her artistic talents to create sets and props for the school plays. Lindsay was also very athletic, so long country walks were a huge part of her life. After being married for 20 years, Lindsay and Tim began to drift apart, and after realising they had different goals and dreams the pair decided to separate and divorce. But the divorce was very amicable and the pair remained on good terms. If one needed the other, they would be there to help. Lindsay moved into a house on Burnley Road in Accrington and started a new relationship. Tim would also start seeing someone else too. August 12th, 2019. Lindsay and her daughter Sarah went out for a day of shopping at the mall in Blackburn. Sarah had just finished her GCSEs and wanted to buy some new things for her college course. They did some shopping before going to an Asda supermarket, and after a while, the pair said their goodbyes, and Lindsay dropped her daughter off at around 3pm. In the evening, she was due to have food with Sarah and Sarah's boyfriend at 6. Lindsay said she would see them then, and told Sarah she loved her. As the couple travelled over to Lindsay's, they were confused to find that she wasn't there, and the door was locked. Sarah hadn't taken her key, as she assumed her mother would be there to let her in. They knocked, but there was no response. They sat and waited, and as time ticked by with still no sign of her, they became increasingly concerned. Sarah tried to get in touch with her mother with calls and text messages, but her phone appeared to be off, the messages didn't deliver, and there was no reply. She called her father and asked him to pick them up, explaining that Lindsay's car was still parked outside and her phone had been turned off. They ran through the various possibilities. Had she run into friends and become sidetracked? Had she lost track of time? But this was so unlike Lindsay, and Sarah said she would never just not turn up. Sarah sent a message to Lindsay's best friend, Sharon, asking if she knew where she was. Sharon said that she hadn't heard from her either, and her messages also didn't deliver to Lindsay's phone. She then went back to her father's house and they went back with a set of keys to let themselves inside. Nothing seemed out of place. After calling out into the house, there was no response, just silence. They knew they needed to contact the police, so just after midnight, Tim called them. He told the operator that this was not like her and she had never done anything like this before. A police officer was dispatched. When it became clear that she definitely wasn't there, 
a major missing persons investigation was launched. As this was so out of character, Lindsay was classified as a high-risk missing person. Tim was questioned about his movements that day, but he was quickly accounted for and had a watertight alibi. They needed to piece together her last known movements. Lindsay had been captured on CCTV heading down Burnley Road. She had taken her phone and her keys with her. As she loved to stay active, she had decided to go for a walk in a local area called the Coppice, a place that she would often go to, made up of woodlands and footpaths. The authorities were concerned that maybe she had fallen and injured herself, leaving her unable to get help. Lancashire police utilised a helicopter and drone and worked alongside the Fire and Rescue Service and the Mountain Rescue Service too to try and find her. Hundreds of people from the local community came out to help. Missing persons posters were put up and a Facebook group garnered more than 10,000 members. People from all walks of life had joined in the search, from seasoned walkers to parents with pushchairs. Everybody was desperate to find her. A dog walker would soon make a discovery. A red garment was found hanging on a fence. Lindsay's jacket had a red lining to it. As the search efforts continued, there was still no sign of Lindsay Burbeck, and as the days continued to pass... Hope was quickly fading that they would find her alive. In a press conference four days after her disappearance, Detective Chief Inspector Alan Davies said that significant searches had been carried out and asked for anyone who had been in the coppice at around 4.30pm on the day Lindsay had last been seen to come forward. That evening... Hundreds responded to a call on social media to take part in a search for Lindsay, with her friends saying the support from the community had moved them to tears. One of the co-organisers said, The community spirit is just amazing and we will not stop until she is found. The searches were split into teams of 20, with a map of the area put up at the base. Each group would mark off what had been searched and they would look through every inch of their assigned areas. Detective Inspector Tim McDermott said the police were overwhelmed by the support and dedication shown by members of the public. It had now been a week since Lindsay had gone missing. Teams were deployed to search the rivers, and more people continued to come out and join the hunt. August 24th, 2019. The police received a call. A man had been walking his dog in Accrington Cemetery when it went into a wooded area. He had called for his dog to come back to him, but the dog didn't respond. It was fixated by something on the ground it was sniffing. The dog walker said, I walked further forward and stood on something soft and squishy. I immediately jumped back and grabbed my dog by the collar. I then smelt a horrible smell. It smelt rotten and there were flies around it. I could see plastic and what looked like a leg. Twelve days after she had been reported missing, the search for Lindsay Burbeck came to an end. There, in Accrington Cemetery, her body was found. Lindsay's naked body had been wrapped in plastic and put into a makeshift grave, with dirt from around the cemetery put on top of her, in an attempt to conceal it. When the knock came at the door late that night... Sarah said she knew instantly it was not the good news they were hoping for. 
Following the discovery, Detective Superintendent Andy Cribben of Lancashire Police gave a statement. At about eight o'clock on Saturday evening, we received a call from the ambulance public and police officers and detectives attended Accrington Cemetery. There, sadly, we found the, uh, the body of a woman. And as a result of our investigations regarding that, we've now launched a murder investigation. Whilst we've yet to formally identify the body, we believe at this stage it is Lindsay. And we have informed the family of all the developments and family liaison officers are with them. So I'm asking if anybody was in the area at that time, please contact us. If anybody had seen Lindsay on that date or since, again, please contact us and let us know. And if you have any CCTV within the area of Burnley Road and Peel Park Avenue, again, please contact us. And then with regards to Accrington Cemetery, anybody within the last two to three weeks who's seen any suspicious activity or anything untoward within the cemetery or the surrounding area, or if you've got any CCTV that covers the area of the cemetery, again, please contact us to help us, help us understand what's going on and try and identify who and what is involved in this uh, in the death of this lady. We've got a number of specialist officers and forensic teams working at the scene to try and give us as much information now to understand what's happened, when it happened and who was involved. We've got a significant number of detectives and police officers and staff working on this investigation and will continue to do so in order to bring justice and understand what's happened. As news of the discovery began to spread, flowers were left in tribute to Lindsay, as those who had spent so much time looking for her were now faced with the heartbreaking truth. One card said that even though they didn't know Lindsay, she had touched their heart. A vigil was also held in nearby Peel Park, where a minute's silence took place and a choir sang Amazing Grace. The local church was packed out as people headed there to light candles for her. Flowers were also laid outside her school. Lindsay's ex-husband Tim said he was broken by the news and devastated watching his children lose their mother in such horrendous circumstances. Home office pathologist Dr Naomi Carter carried out the post-mortem. Lindsay had died from severe neck injuries... Dr Carter said in her 25-year career, she had never seen such extensive crushing damage to an entire larynx, saying it had the same severity as one would expect to see in an industrial accident. Due to the state of decomposition, she had to be identified using dental records, and also as a result of the decomposition process, no evidence of sexual violence or assault could be found. There had also been an attempt to saw off one of her legs. The police were now in a race against time to catch her killer, and the local community was in fear that someone else would soon fall victim. The following day, August 25th, a crime scene investigation team descended on the cemetery to conduct their inquiries. They found a pair of gloves and a saw close to the grave, and tests on them came back positive for blood. Lindsay's shoes were found in a skip, wrapped in a blue plastic bag with the soles cut off. They were able to get a DNA profile, and it belonged to a male. The gloves also had a male DNA profile on the inside, and Lindsay's DNA was on the outside. The rest of her clothes have never been recovered. The police needed to establish exactly how her body had come to be in the cemetery. Between her body and the plastic she had been wrapped in, were bits of grass and a leaf 
The police had a botanist come in to examine the foliage. They were able to determine that the grass in between her body and the plastic had not come from inside the cemetery, meaning she had been murdered elsewhere. The exact location of her murder has not been established, but it's believed it most likely happened in the coppice, just minutes after she left her home. One object would soon blow the case wide open. In the cemetery was a blue wheelie bin. Several people had seen the blue wheelie bin during the searches, with one person even reporting it to the police, but at that time she was still considered a missing person and there was no evidence to suggest that she had come to any harm, so the police said there was no evidence to link it to her disappearance and it was left where it was, with nobody realising its significance. Then, an officer reviewing the CCTV footage came across something that immediately stood out. A young male wearing a grey tracksuit was filmed pulling a blue wheelie bin along Burnley Road at 2.30pm before he turned onto Whitewall Road and headed into the cemetery. It had been filmed on the 17th of August, five days after Lindsay had last been seen. The police were cautious about releasing the footage initially. They knew they needed to find this person and quickly, but if he wasn't involved, releasing the footage could put him at risk. They decided to spend the next 24 hours trying to find him through the police databases throughout the country, but they came back with nothing. As they were trying to find him, a witness came forward. A woman had been on the coppice at the same time as Lindsay. She had a very worrying story to tell. I looked to my left and saw a lone male figure on a path that runs parallel to the path that I'm on. There was a lot of foliage. I didn't have a clear view of him at that point. I decided whatever route he went, I would take another route. From the first time I saw him, I was wary of him. He looked out of place in the woods. He was in front of me. He was walking very slowly. I didn't want to be in front of him. I wanted to be able to see him at all times. I slowed down so I could be behind him. As she grew even more concerned, she picked up her pace and began to look around for something heavy that she could use to defend herself if needed. She told the police in her statement... While I can't say what his original pace was at that point, what I can say for sure is that as I turned my head to glance at him, he pulled up short, almost startled when I turned to look. I didn't look back again. I just daren't. I never saw him again. She was filmed coming out of the coppice. The path that she had taken would be the same one Lindsay would take. She couldn't do a formal identification, but her description matched the person from the CCTV footage. On the 27th of August, the police decided to release the CCTV footage and issued an appeal for anyone who recognised him to come forward. The footage quickly made the national news. ...of a man who they are treating as a suspect in the hunt for the killer of mother of two, Lindsay Burbeck. The video shows the man walking down... Burnley Road towards Accrington at half past two on August the 17th. That's five days after Lindsay went missing. Her body was found at a cemetery in Accrington on Saturday. Then, Lindsay and Tim's son Stephen received a phone call from one of his friends. His friend said he recognised the male and they went to the same gym. Soon, the police would get the break they had been hoping for. 
After seeing the appeal for information, a mother and father brought their son to Greenbank Police Station the same day the footage was released to the public. Their son was just 16 years old. Rocky Marciano Price was subsequently taken into custody. He was the same person that Stephen's friend had mentioned. A ban on reporting his name and any details about him was initially put in place to protect his identity, but this would later be lifted. When his home was searched, the same plastic that had been used to wrap Lindsay's body was found, and tracksuits from the CCTV footage were found too. His DNA was a match to the items in the cemetery containing the male DNA profile. But who exactly was the 16-year-old suspected murderer? Rocky Marciano Price lived on Winnie Hill Road with his parents and five siblings. He had an IQ of 65 and learning difficulties including autism and ADHD. He was a student at a school for those who were unable to remain in the mainstream school system, where his teachers described him as very quiet, pretty much non-verbal most of the time. He avoided conversation unless it was something he wanted to talk about, like the chickens on his family farm that he helped to care for. He often went to the gym and spent his free time watching films and playing video games. He was assessed in 2015 and a psychologist concluded that he had a limited understanding of his own emotions and his own emotional well-being and appeared to have little insight into the connection between events and emotions. A report completed the following year described him as having no stranger awareness and needing supervision outside. The police were able to trace his movements that day. At around 2.30pm on the day of Lindsay's death, he had headed into the coppice, and Lindsay did the same at around 4 o'clock. Within a couple of hours, Price had left the coppice and walked down Burnley Road. It appeared that his tracksuit top was partially unzipped, and his tracksuit bottom's cord was untied. He also appeared to have wet knees. Price had gone back to the body twice on the 12th of August. At 6.55pm, CCTV captured him carrying a black rucksack. He then left the coppice with the rucksack, before returning with the wheelie bin. A witness saw him at 8.28pm, pulling a bin that sounded empty. He would then return to the grave a further two times. Throughout his 11 interviews over three days, his answer to everything was no comment, but later he had a prepared statement. It read in part as follows. I am not involved in Lindsay Burbeck's murder. However, I was approached by a white male who speaks English, who offered me a large sum of money to move the body. I have not met this man before. I have not met him since, nor have I had any contact with him. He has not paid me any money. He told me that he would leave the money for me near where the body had been at first, once everything was clear. I cannot describe the man other than to say he was white, male, spoke English. I could not see his face well as he was covering it with his hood. I am not sure of his height, build or age. Detectives scoured the CCTV footage to try and find if there was any evidence of this white male being in the coppice but they could find none. On the 31st of August, Price was charged with murder. Her devastated family said they were emotionally exhausted and completely and utterly numb. On Monday the 2nd of September, Price appeared at Blackburn Magistrates Court. 
before the case was sent to be heard at Preston Crown Court the next day. He pleaded guilty to moving and hiding her body, but he entered a plea of not guilty to the charge of murder. On the 20th of September, Lindsay Burbeck's funeral was held at St Margaret's Church, with more than 200 in attendance. An obituary read, Lindsay was the most amazing mum. She doted on her children and always gave her all to ensure that their life was fun and filled with laughter. The road was closed off as her coffin was taken into the church, and the community came out in their droves to say goodbye and to show support for her family and loved ones. Rocky Price's trial was set for the 25th of February 2020, with Mrs Justice Yip presiding. As the trial got underway, several problems caused difficulties. The trial didn't take place for two days in the second week, as the judge had other commitments that she had to attend to. Problems with the power and the heating forced the court to end early on Wednesday, and then they were sent home at lunchtime on Thursday when the prosecution rested their case. But... Just a few days later, there would be a shocking turn of events that nobody had been prepared for. The defence made an application to discharge the jury and have a retrial. This was before they had made their case. Meetings were held between the defence, the judge and the prosecution. On the 9th of March, the court reconvened without the jury. The judge placed strict reporting restrictions on the matter, but the problems at hand would later come to light. That day... The court was told that two men, ages 22 and 23, and a 22-year-old woman, had been arrested for a separate offence of the false imprisonment of a young man. This was not related to Lindsay's case, and the parties involved were not connected to Rocky Price, or the wider inquiry. A video found on the phone of one of those who had been detained purported to show a man discussing aspects of the Burbeck case, and saying he had been involved in the murder and the disposal of the body. David McLaughlin QC for the prosecution said that the video was neither consistent with the facts of the case nor with the defence put forward by the defendant but added it was clearly something that had to be fully investigated to ensure the defendant could have a fair trial. Lancashire Constabulary examined the footage over the following five days and 25 officers were part of the inquiry. Following this, they were satisfied that this apparent confession was false. David McLaughlin agreed that the extensive nature of the inquiries required proper consideration by the defence, and this could not be done in a realistic timescale for the first trial to continue. He added that in his 30-year career as a lawyer, he had only ever dealt with a situation like this once, and referred to the matter as almost uncharted territory. On the 10th of March, the jury was officially discharged, and the trial against him collapsed. Price was remanded in custody and a new trial date was set for June 15th. There now follows a ministerial broadcast from the Prime Minister. From this evening, I must give the British people a very simple instruction. You must stay at home. Because the critical... When Covid hit and lockdown orders were issued, the trial was pushed back again, this time to the 3rd of August. Finally the new trial commenced. His story that he had been offered money by an anonymous man to move the body was dismissed by the prosecution as implausible fiction. 
The woman who had given the statement to the police saying that she had been followed by a male on the coppice was not able to formally identify Price in court, but the DNA could link him to Lindsay through various bits of evidence. His DNA was on her trainers, and her DNA was on the outside of the gloves, and his DNA was on the inside of them. Both of them could be linked to the wheelie bin. The state of decomposition suggested that she had been stored upside down in the wheelie bin before being taken to the cemetery. He sat slouched in the dock with his hands in his pockets, with Sarah saying he showed no respect for anybody in the court. As the trial continued, the horrifying details were laid bare. The brutal nature of her death and the injuries that she had sustained shocked the court, and coverage of the trial made national news. After the defence and prosecution had rested their cases, it was now time for the jury to deliberate. The 12th of August, 2020. One year to the day since Lindsay had been murdered. After just three hours of deliberations, the jury had reached their verdict. DSI Cribben described the atmosphere in court. It's an atmosphere like none I've ever experienced before at any murder trial. Rocky Marciano Price was unanimously found guilty of murder. Mrs Justice Yip said the killing had been significantly premeditated, saying, He lay in wait on the coppice near to Lindsay's home. The only conclusion I can draw is he was looking for a woman to kill. I don't know what was on his mind at the time. The attack was swift and brutal. The murder of a stranger in broad daylight with no rational explanation is horrifying to all members of society. The random nature of the killing shows the defendant presents a very real risk to members of the public. I have no doubt he knew what he was doing and knew it was terribly wrong. The stalking of another woman also demonstrates this did not arise out of a sudden loss of control or heat of the moment. He persisted with his plan to target a lone woman. It shows he had the capacity to plan and reason. When deciding on her sentence, she decided she would take into account his lack of previous criminal convictions, what was referred to as his immaturity, and that he was likely to have challenges while in prison. Price was not in court for the sentencing and appeared via a video link. He was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum term of 16 years. Due to his age, the minimum term was 12 years, but as there was an element of premeditation, he received 16. He showed no reaction as his sentence was handed down. Following his sentence, members of his family wore shirts, saying, wrongly convicted, free this boy. The back of the shirt said, murderer still at large. His father said, our son is innocent. He has not got the mental capacity to hurt anyone. We are not going to stop fighting if it takes us all our lives to find this other man. In spite of the evidence, there are those that do not believe he is responsible. A group of around 30 marched in protest against his conviction, again arguing that the guilty verdict was wrong. A petition was created on Change.org, arguing that he had been wrongfully convicted. And rumours were even spread that Tim was responsible. Tim said, the police kept saying to me, just ignore them, Tim, and they'll go away. But they do chip away at you. It does hurt you. We've been through absolute hell regarding this. Then you've got to deal with these people who are pointing fingers. It's despicable. 
I just want people to understand there's still a family picking up the pieces and trying to rebuild. After Price was sentenced, DSI Cribbin gave a statement outside court. Throughout the investigation and the trial, the defendant relied on a lie, trying to pass the blame onto an unknown man who in reality did not exist. Lancashire Police conducted a meticulous and open-minded investigation. In the end, the evidence was clear. The defendant acted alone. He has shown no remorse whatsoever for taking Lindsay's life, for his actions in hiding and burying her body, or for the subsequent devastation that he has caused with the lives of those who loved her. When Lindsay went missing, the outpouring of support from the people of Accrington and elsewhere was overwhelming. For days on end, people assisted with searching, provided CCTV and statements. Their reaction shows how loved and respected Lindsay was by so many people and how willing the community was to pull together in such a terrible situation. On behalf of Lindsay's family and Lancashire Police, I would like to thank all those people for all of their help and all of their well wishes. Lindsay's devastated family said, Our lives have been utterly destroyed by the evil, cowardly behaviour of the defendant and the horrific manner in which she was murdered. It has left a huge void in our lives that will never be filled. This callous act has destroyed our lives forever. Our family needs time to reflect and grieve for Lindsay and to try and rebuild our shattered lives. Lindsay Burbeck was a woman who touched the lives of many, from the students she worked with to the friends that she made. She devoted her life to helping young people who needed extra support and would always put others before herself. The way in which the community rallied together to try and find her was inspiring, but for those left in the wake of such an appalling crime, life will never be the same. Her legacy will continue to live on through the lives of her children and loved ones, who will ensure that she will never, ever be forgotten.